What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Energy Exchange Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am so excited for today's show. I have a special guest for you, a special treat. And that person is Samantha Lee Wright. And Samantha is the host of the number one essential oils podcast, The Essential Oil Revolution, with over three and a half million downloads to date. And Samantha teaches others how to use the power of nature for better health and happiness. She's a master at helping people clear the toxins from their lives and take control of their health. She's a wife, mother, author, speaker, and a fierce advocate for living life on your own terms. Samantha, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? It's such an honor to be here. Thank you for having me on and for just bringing the energy like you always do. So fun. Yo, that bio is powerful. I didn't know you were an author. You have a book? I do. Yes. I have a book that is being released in a matter of like two or three weeks. So I, I went, I put it in the bio. That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm writing my first book. It's about podcasting. So it's teaching others how to podcast if they want to start their own podcast. And without being like too modest here, it is the best book ever written about podcasting period. Like I'm so excited about this book. Oh my goodness. Uh, is it, it's going to be available on Amazon? Yeah, it'll be available on Kindle and Amazon coming by mid to late August. Beautiful. I'm so I'm so excited to read that and share that with my community. Real quick, before we dive deeper into your powerful story, um, I'm curious to know in regards to your podcast, was there any one or two people that inspired you to start your own? Oh, gosh, absolutely. So I'm a huge John Lee Dumas fan. I'm a big fan of Entrepreneur on Fire, which um, I'm sure, you know, a lot of your listeners probably listen to that show as well. So and I've always been a podcast fan in general. So I've listened to, you know, Radio Lab and This American Life and then some business podcasts like Shillian Johnson. I mean, just I'm just a huge fan of podcasts in general. And then when I started listening to John's show and he starts talking about, you know, hey, start your own podcast. And he had a little free course that you could take. I was like, ooh, maybe I could do that. So yeah, that's that was a big inspiration for me. That's amazing. JLD was on my show like a month ago. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. He's such yeah. a good dude. Yeah. So you started your show about five years ago, right? Uh, four. I think it was four years ago. Four years ago. So it seems like this last five-year period for you has been extremely transformational uh, between the podcast, between your uh, your essential oils business, between your coaching, between really this audience that you've built and, and, and cultivated. I'm curious to know, where were you before that? You know, take us back five years, 10 years, and Give us a little piece of this journey. Yeah, well, it's a long story, so I'll try to shorten it for you. But um, it is wild looking back at where my life was, you know, five, 10 years ago versus where I'm at now. And so where I was 
let's see, eight years ago, because my son's about to turn eight, I was unexpectedly pregnant with my first child. I was 25 years old, which is like an average age to get pregnant, but we weren't really expecting it, weren't really planning on it. We, my husband and I at the time, um, well, he's still my husband, but at the time we were both just a like couple hippies living in the woods, wanted nothing to do with careers or jobs or like modern lifestyle. Like we were just kicking it in the woods basically. And then all of a sudden we're going to have a baby and we're like, Oh, maybe we should start getting serious about life a little bit. And we can't just frolic around the woods all the time. So anyway, we moved out of our, our 10 by 10 hunting cabin in the woods that had no water, no electricity. And we're like, okay, I guess we'll move into a real house now for this baby on the way. And, and that was a huge transformation um, for me in my life that was really rough. You know, like I, I ran up against a lot of depression during that time, you know, and my family was so relieved. Now I was living in a normal house, but I was just like super depressed. I was like, I really miss the woods. Like, yeah, it's great to have a washing machine, but I don't know, this is hard. And so anyway, it was a big struggle for us, but it was also extremely welcome. You know, like it was kind of the kick in the pants that we, we needed to just move on to the next phase of our life. And then we wanted a second child. So, you know, two and a half years later, I'm pregnant with, um, with my daughter, who's about to turn five. And, um, and we were still just really struggling financially. Like I said, we had never really focused on our careers before. We didn't, I never graduated college. My husband graduated from art college. So that's like less than, you know, <laughs> not the most useful degree and had all this college debt from that. So anyway, we're poor. We're, you know, a family of four living off of $17,000 a year on food stamps, on government assistance, on all the things. And I, ju- I just finally hit a point in my life, Jeremy, where I was like, you know what? I don't want to be poor anymore. Like I have so many dreams. I have dreams for my children. I want my children to have a, a better future. And part of that future I know is going to require some money. So um, at the time, a friend of mine was doing really well with her business that she had started. And she introduced that to me. And, and it was the first time in my life where I just sort of saw someone being really successful and had that thought of, well, if they can do it, maybe I can do it. And that's like such a powerful thought and belief that, you know, if anyone can really believe, you know, why not me, then that changes everything, you know, and then my life really changed from that moment on. That's so incredible. And I'm actually, the fact that you're talking about the importance of beliefs. I don't know if you've read this book by Bruce Lipton. No, I haven't. Oh my gosh. So Bruce Lipton's basically the guy who brought epigenetics to the forefront. Um, You know, he's a molecular biologist. And for the longest time, we thought that your genes were your destiny. And And he was the first person that really found like, actually know your environment and your awareness to that environment, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, all impact uh, your gene expression and your physiology. And I think that's so powerful that you, that you said, like when you were in the vicinity of your friend who is successful, you finally had that vision, like, wow, if she can do this, I can do it too. And, and so much has been accomplished in, in a five year span. I'm curious to know in that five years, like what, what were some of the biggest things, 
limiting beliefs that came up for you that you had to overcome, that you had to push through any sort of resistance mm. that comes to mind? I think the the most important one, and this is partly just because of my background of of the sort of community I was living in and the type of friends that I had, there's such a strong held belief that money is evil Mm -hmm. and, and that, you know, rich people are nothing but greedy people, you know, so that, that was like a huge belief that I had to really push past and, and realize that money is so many things. Money is an exchange of energy. Money is, uh, power that can be wielded for good. I mean, it can be so many positive things. And so, um, I think that was a big one. And I still, like, I still struggle with that a little bit today. You know, like I'm sort of at a point in my business where, like I say, good is the biggest killer of great because my, my business is doing really good now. And I have to remind myself every day that, well, it's good, but you're capable of, of greatness. Like you're allowed to make more money than this. So keep hustling and keep pushing if that's what you want. Like I, I always have to sort of keep saying that to myself. And, um, and the best example I can give with this is the first time I ever played poker. <laughs> was, I was actually really good at it. I have a cousin who's a professional poker player. So she like, kind of taught me how to play poker. And so the first time I sat down at a beginner's table, like I was doing really good. I was like cleaning the whole table. Are dry. we talking Texas Hold'em? Uh, it was, yes, it was Texas Hold'em. Okay. It was a small game. And, but even still, like I, I had, I was, I was doing pretty well. And then when it hit me and I looked down and I was like, oh my God, I came and I sat down at this table with like $20 and now I have like $200 in front of me. I physically got sick and ill. And, wow. and especially as soon as the other people at the table were like, wait, is this your first time? And I started being like, I don't deserve this. Like, this is bad. This is too much. And I got physically sick and I had to leave the table. And I was like, oh man, is that a manifestation of your money blocks or what, honey? You know? <laughs> wow. That, and and I, I'm so glad you brought that up because especially in the health and wellness community, I feel like there's a lot of us that grow up with that belief that money is the root of all evil. Right. And I, like you, have encountered that resistance. And now it's just understanding, like, what is the impact that you want to make with that money? And I genuinely believe you and I, we have such good intentions, you know, whether that's continuing to cultivate an amazing family and community that you've created out there in North Carolina, you know, and, and for me, just continuing to amplify my message and amplify my impact and in, in money is ultimately a resource that helps fuel that, right. you know, you can, you can produce better content. You don't have to, the, the bottom line is if, if people like you and I, Samantha are like stressed about money all the time, paycheck to paycheck, that's affecting our mental health our well-being and ultimately we're not going to be able to produce and deliver the type of value that we want if we're constantly stressed about money so i yeah. think financial health is such an important component to this it's wellness huge. puzzle yeah and i i also see money now i view money as time as well and you always hear that you know time is money but for me money really is time with my kids time that i'm not 
going trading my time for money or you know sitting at a desk 40 hours a week instead of playing with my kids like i make enough now that i get to a pay other people you know i have employees that work with me in my business now and they do a lot of the things that i used to do you know i used to wear all the hats and do all the things but now that money that i'm paying to them allows me to play with my kids and take them to the lake. You know, now I work very little and especially because of the the pandemic and the quarantine and homeschool, like I I really can't work very much, but what I've what I've grown and the passive income that I've grown has given me so much more time with my children than than you know anything could have done. So I, I see that as a very powerful change of perspective as well. Yeah. It's so cool for them too like First of all, having their mom and dad be super present and then also seeing them like have a career that they love and it opens up possibilities for them. Like, oh my God, mom is like just sharing oils and she's just doing what she loves. She's speaking into a microphone and somehow supporting us with this amazing home and this delicious food. So, so that's amazing what you're doing and the message that you're sending to your community, your community and your, and your children as well. Um, I'm wondering, Samantha, because you are an expert at really understanding these toxic chemicals that are in our environment that we might not be aware of. And with more of us, basically all of us spending a majority of our time at home for the foreseeable future, I think this is such an important conversation to have. So can we talk maybe about three to five things that are common household things, uh, everyday use that may be causing uh, harm to the people listening right now? Yeah, absolutely. And and I like to preface this by saying, especially, especially if you're an American, if you're living in the United States, the lack of regulation that happens in the cosmetic and the personal care industry in our country is, is just atrocious. If you compare us to, let's say, the European Union, the European Union has over 13,000 chemicals banned from use. So like a list of 13,000 chemicals that manufacturers are not allowed to use when putting chemicals in products um, to sell to consumers. The United States, uh, I don't know if you know this answer, Jeremy, but do you want to just guess at how many chemicals are banned from use in the United States for personal care products? So this would be for skincare, you know, toothpaste, hygiene. Mm-hmm. This isn't makeup. including food, right? Not including food. No. Okay. Just, um, yeah, it's like skincare, makeup, toothpaste, deodorant, all that stuff. So there's 13,000 banned in the EU. I mm-hmm. am going to guess 400. It's a good guess. It's 11. 11. 11. 11 substances. And there has not been a significant change to that legislation since, um, when was that? It's it's been 80 years. It's been over 80 years since the Senate voted on any sort of new regulations in the cosmetics industry. I think it was Um, 1926, if I'm not mistaken, right? That sounds right. So, you know, with lobbyists and I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's over $500 billion industry, you know, the cosmetics industry in this country. So it's a lot of power. And if you think for a second that some sort of 
FDA or regulatory agency out there is protecting consumers from um, chemicals that can harm you in your products, then you're just wrong. There, it, it just does not exist on a level nearly what it needs to exist. So like you asked about examples. The first one I'll give is lipstick. So um, common ingredients that are used in most conventional lipsticks, number one is lead. Lead is a neurotoxin, a known neurotoxin with no safe level, like zero level of exposure to lead is acceptable. It can go right to the brain. It can cause so much damage. In um, 2012, the the, uh, Food and Drug Administration tested several hundred lipsticks from um, 20 of like the most popular brands that you can think of. And they found lead in every single one of those lipsticks. Um, so these would be like, sorry, sorry, Samantha, this would be like, this would be like, (laughs) this just takes me back. Honestly, last summer. Okay. I am, I am with the girl that I'm dating and she, we get to Paris and she's so excited because there's a Sephora there. Uh So this is my first time walking into a Sephora and correct me if I'm wrong, like 90% of the products at Sephora right? Nutri- like all these really high-end brands are filled with these chemicals such as lead, right? Most of them. Yeah, absolutely. Like just because there's a high price tag on something or a brand is really well-established in the cosmetics industry, it almost makes it more certain that these sort of chemicals are going to be put in it because they get results. You know, these chemicals make things um, smoother. They make them smell better. They make them shinier or whatever. And, um, and that's what people want. And they have no idea yeah, what kind of things are in it? I mean, there's um, tons of toxic heavy metals, especially in lipstick, like chromium, cadmium, aluminum. Um, all these things are found commonly in in lipstick and and other makeups. So, yeah, it's a big one. So, so we have lipstick, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that everything we put on our skin, whether that's deodorant or uh, 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 a serum on our face, whatever it is, it absorbs into our bloodstream within 30 seconds. Yeah. And that often, and that oftentimes doesn't get thought of because we're not like ingesting it directly. Right. Exactly. But you are like, you are ingesting it directly. You're just not ingesting it through your mouth. Like I I was interviewing Brian Vasily the other day and I love, he, he, he puts it this way. Like when you're walking down the grocery store aisle just because you're down the the personal cosmetics aisle or whatever, don't think for a second that you're not still shopping for food because everything that you put on your skin is getting eaten by your body. It's getting absorbed into your bloodstream in, you know, just, just the way that food gets into our bodies. It's just in a slightly different method. So all of these chemicals um, can be compounded. Like you and I, Jeremy are going to have 30, to 50,000 more chemicals in our bloodstreams when we die than our grandparents did. I mean, it's just gotten out of control. Okay. So that's a big number, uh, a little bit alarming, a little bit scary. <laughs> so, so as a man, um, I don't wear lipstick yet, but I believe it's kind of becoming a trend for like heterosexual dudes to wear nail polish and a little bit of makeup. So We'll see where things evolve. I'm not right. ruling that out of the equation. What about like cologne or body sprays or deodorants? I mean, deodorant. Of, there you go. Right. Yeah. So this is all 
I make sure that again, it's like cruelty free. Uh, again, it doesn't have aluminum. It doesn't have those uh, toxic heavy metals you spoke about, but right. yeah, dive a little deeper into some of those. Problems. Well, I'll tell you the one, like it's, it's almost impossible to go over every single chemical that you should be looking out for right on your products. Cause that would take all day, but I'll tell you one really easy thing to look out for. That's a super sneaky, seemingly harmless word is fragrance or perfume. Sometimes they give it a fancy name and they call it perfume instead of fragrance. So this, not a lot of people realize that that word fragrance is, is a protected term that companies are allowed to use and they can use whatever chemicals they want to make up their perfume or their scent. And because it's under that word fragrance, they don't have to disclose what those chemicals are because it's a quote, trade secret. So there's this nasty little loophole now um, that's been in our system for a long time where companies will pretty much put whatever they want into their products, knowing that consumers are getting smarter, knowing that consumers are looking out for certain things now and don't want to have a million chemicals on the back of their ingredient list that they can't pronounce. So they'll just hide all of those ingredients underneath that term fragrance and because it's a protected term when really what fragrance usually is, is any number of thousands of different stock chemical ingredients that are combined in a laboratory somewhere to make your product smell good, last longer, look shinier, be more bubbly or whatever they're trying to get at, you know. Wow. Thank you for sharing that because again, this is all about providing the listeners, everyone watching with actionable steps to take. And what Samantha and I really encourage you to do is just be more mindful, be more intentional when you're out at the grocery store uh, and you're reading these food labels, when you're going out to eat, maybe ask them, hey, what, what oil are you using to cook that in? Because all of this has an impact on your body, on your blood, on your brain, on your physiology. So just to recap, Samantha, you talked about lead and how that's a neurotoxin, meaning that it causes toxicity on the brain, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. are, there, are there any other neurotoxins that we should look out for? Um, well, there are, but they're not going to label them on the ingredient list. So it yeah. might not even really matter um, so much. But I would say the next thing that comes to mind is just a general category of things to look out for um, would be like air fresheners. Like air fresheners today on the market definitely usually contain things like formaldehyde or um, known carcinogens, especially a lot of fragrance that's put in there, which I mean, a lot of people, one of the hardest things I run up against with essential oils and trying to introduce them to people is they go, oh, no, 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 like I'm allergic to, to scents. You know, I can't handle scents. I can't handle, handle fragrance. So I don't want your oils. Yeah, get them away. And, and I'm like, well, hold on. Have you ever actually experienced a true, pure essential oil, meaning that it is derived 100% from plants. There's nothing else mixed in there. There's nothing chemical in there at all. And they usually are like, well, what do you mean? Isn't, aren't all scents like that? And I'm like, no, like 99% of what you smell when you walk through a perfume aisle or an air freshener or potpourri is chemicals, just purely petrochemically derived 
chemicals. And, and that's usually what people have a problem with. So with air fresheners, especially, I'm so passionate about it because um, there's been so much research done and about, you know, air fresheners, the kind that you spray or the kind that you can plug in are um, usually more carcinogenic than smoking a pack of cigarettes. Like they're extremely wow. toxic. And at the same time, they're one of the easiest things that you can just replace with like a diffuser and some essential oils. And you're going to get lovely smells or you can make your own room sprays with essential oils to get really, really lovely natural smells without any of those toxins. Yeah, that's such an easy solution. <laughs> and and it's, it's also going to reap some other benefits and some other happy hormones and chemicals in the body. So talk a little bit about essential oils. I know you got into the business uh, five years ago. But how have they impacted you and how do you use them in your everyday life? Yeah. One of the things that really attracted me to essential oils was like as a mother, especially where I'm always looking for easy, quick solutions that are going to help my kids be healthy and be happy. Essential oils were just so such a no-brainer. They're so easy. They're quick to learn how to use. They're quick to use. Like before essential oils, before I made that connection between essential oils being plant medicine, I really relied a lot on tinctures and herbs and teas and poultices. And I would use a lot of that kind of stuff um, with my kids. But that stuff is like kind of a lot of work and it takes some time and it takes some knowledge. But with an essential oil, you just open up the bottle, you know, slap it on or put it in the diffuser and boom, you get such quick results. So when I was first started using them, you know, I remember my husband and I were both um, really struggling with some sort of cold. It was like a summer, summer flu or something like that. And so we were pretty miserable. And I actually very vividly remember like the FedEx truck rolling up to my driveway and I'm like looking out the window. I'm like, the oils are here. Like, let me go. And I'm like going out and running to get these oils. And I, and I bring them inside and I like tear open my box and I pull out like some thieves and some peppermint. I just start slapping it on like my husband's chest. I think I also accidentally got some peppermint in his eyeball that day, which was not fun. (laughs) Samantha. Oh. I'm like, oh, you know, you learn. Uh, I was very enthusiastic. And so uh, anyway, we just, we didn't know what we were doing. I was just like slapping some oils on and breathing them, breathing them in. And I mean, by the next day, we felt like a, a million dollars. Like we felt so much better. And I was like, wow, those things really work. I mean, and ever since that day, I mean, every little thing that comes up, you know, I'll throw an oil at it and see what happens. And nine times out of 10, it's like the solution that I needed. And it was super easy. So um, I just love them. Thanks for sharing that. And from my experience with oils, uh, you know, getting exposed to them here in South Florida, there's like a huge doTERRA community. And one of my best friends, she's like, like similar to you, that you have that in the background, but she has like, and I'm sure you have a room like this too, where it's like her crystals. She has like a thousand oils. She has her custom bleds. And I was like, you are like some weird witch in the lab concocting all of these weird scents and oils together. But, but what I've kind of experienced is it seems like a lot of people, especially women have used oils in a way that helps them heal 
emotionally or 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 trauma that might be that might be lingering is that an experience that you can connect with yeah absolutely i mean especially nowadays when we're in this you know quarantine and pandemic and we're all stuck at home i mean there's some days where i'll just like come into my office and like lock my children out and be like mommy just needs 5 minutes to herself please and i'll come and i'll just like pour frankincense down my head and i'll rub some stress away on my chest and i'll just sort of sit and breathe for 5 minutes and and just ground me and i've had so many experiences like that like my i remember um, after my daughter was born, I was on day three of postpartum, which any moms out there know, like day three postpartum, always an emotional roller coaster. Your hormones are just like, woo, all over the place. <laughs> and, um, and I remember like pacing my, my living room, just being like, Ooh, I remember this feeling. I remember this and it did not go well the first time. You know, I had really struggled with some postpartum depression my first time. And I was just, want that to happen again. Like, what do I do? And so I kind of like went over to my oil shelf and I was just like, speak to me here, speak to me. Like, what do I need? And I just picked out the frankincense and I just started like rubbing it on my ears and I rubbed it on my chest and I'm like holding my baby here. And I also put a drop on, on the top of her head and rubbed it in. And just this immediate like grounding wow. down, just chilling out, giving me just a moment. Like it just broke my my cycle of thought of of just craziness and it just gave me that moment that moment of pause that allowed me to go okay I can do this maybe I'll go make myself a cup of tea now you know and it just led me to like that next step of self-care and help and and just calm that I needed. Um, so yeah, and I'd say an easy trick, like anyone who's having a bad day or feeling a little bit blue, just break out the orange oil or any citrus oil that you have around and just give it a smell. I mean, everyone reacts well to that smell of like a fresh orange, you know, that they're, that they're cracking open. And that's exactly what you're doing when you're smelling an essential oil. You're smelling that, uh, that essence of that, plant. And, um, I think everyone has those happy memories associated with orange, right? Yeah. For me, orange, orange triggers like halftime at my soccer games when I was like seven or eight. <laughs> and like, it was a different parents, uh, weekend to bring the snacks and oranges and like, we'd uh -huh. all huddle up in the heat, sweating, like the orange slices. Mm. And, and that actually, <laughs> better. that might actually subconsciously be one of the reasons why I'm so attracted to the citrus blends. I think yeah. I told you when I was on your show. Um, and it's also cool to find different oils, like use your intuition, right. like you described to see like, Hey, when I'm feeling this emotion, this oil seems to neutralize that and kind yeah. of get me back into the present moment and calm my nervous system. What up fam? Sorry to interrupt today's show, but I am so excited. This podcast, the Energy Exchange Podcast, is something that I have put my blood, sweat, and tears into. And honestly, the best way that you can show your gratitude for me and this show is by leaving an honest review in the iTunes store. It would genuinely mean the world to hear your feedback and to support this mission. Word of mouth is my oxygen. Thank you so much, fam. I appreciate you. I love you. Let's get back to the show. So for people who 
are just getting started using and implementing oils into their life, what are a couple that you'd suggest getting started with? Sure. I think um, it also kind of depends on your your goals. So to continue the conversation a little on emotional healing, like if you're really trying to come through some sort of transformation or come out of a trauma or just if you're exploring deeply your inner psyche and your emotions and working in that realm, then cypress oil. I cannot recommend it enough. There's something about cypress essential oil that just cuts right down into the heart of your soul. It just brings things up. Um, and it's like some, sometimes unexpectedly, I've heard stories of people like who don't really know how powerful cypress is and they'll put it in their diffuser and then they're like on the floor crying like a baby and they're like, what is happening? Like, why am I all of a sudden remember these childhood traumas that I totally like buried down deep inside, you know, like really powerful stuff there. Um, so I would, I would recommend that one for emotions, um, and frankincense too, as I said before, one of my absolute favorites. Um, but if you're looking for that sort of Swiss army knife of oils that just does everything, then lavender is definitely, there's a reason lavender is so popular and it's because it does everything. It's amazing for the skin. You know, I've used it on my babies, you know, diaper rash a million times, poison ivy, um, bruises, sunburns, like all the skin things. Um, and then it's also great for emotions and calming and things like that. Or for cuts, like if you burn yourself on a frying pan, grab the lavender and put it straight on there. Um, don't mix it with the carrier oil because you don't want to trap in that heat and like nothing heals it faster than lavender. So that's a great just sort of catch-all oil. And then everyone needs at least one citrus oil. So like lemon or orange. I love lemon personally. I think it's just one of the most versatile of essential oils. It's it's brightening, it's uplifting, but it's also very powerful antioxidant. It's also good for cleaning. Like you can put a drop or two in your water and that's really great for your liver and your whole like lymphatic system. Um, and then if you have like really goopy sticker stuck somewhere, you know, get the lemon out and scrub it away and nothing works faster. So lemon's just a very versatile oil that, that I love. Um, and then the last one I probably could not live without would be peppermint oil. Um, I, I suffer from allergies really bad. And so peppermint is really great to just clear out my sinuses really quickly. I like to put a drop under my tongue um, and do it that way. My husband, who's like this big, strong guy, though, he can't he can't handle the peppermint. <laughs> Probably because from that time, I got a drop of peppermint in his eye. I think I just like... You scarred for life? Scarred for life. He can't handle peppermint. It's funny, though. It actually makes him sweat. Like um, we had a deodorant once I made with peppermint oil and my body loves peppermint, but I think that's because I run sort of hotter, like on a, um, on a like Ayurvedic level. And so yeah. peppermint is just kind of balancing to me where he's on the opposite spectrum. And to him, it just like makes him sweat. And it's really funny. And he's more attracted to the more warming oils like cardamom or cinnamon or things like that. So you have to learn that everybody's body is different. So learning to have fun and experiment with essential oils and really tuning into how you're reacting to them. You know, like I try not to give too many like, oh, you're dealing with this, use this oil answer because everyone's so different and um, right. you have to be willing to use your body 
as the, the, the laboratory, the scientific laboratory to get the answers that work for you and your family. You know, I'm not a fan of people being like, you can't use oils this way or that way or whatever. I'm like, this is your body and these are your kids. Like you do whatever you want. If it's working for you. Um, it's just amazing how, even when people are having amazing results, they'll go and read a blog article that tells them they're doing it wrong and they stop. And I'm like, no, you weren't doing it wrong if you're getting results, you know, and you're not like breaking out in a rash everywhere, you know, then you're fine. So, A couple interesting things that I want to just tap into more from the five oils you said. For me, I've been actually using lavender, you know, especially in Miami with the humidity, I've mm-hmm. always gotten a ton of bug bites in summertime. And lavender has been such an amazing way to like have those melt away and it doesn't leave a scar. Like as soon as I feel one coming in or me itching, I just put lavender on it. Yeah. It's amazing. And then, and then another thing, which I think you'll like too, is one of my roommates, he makes cacao, uh, like hot cacao drinks. And we started just putting a couple drops of peppermint and it's so good. Peppermint and chocolate always such a great marriage. Yes, exactly. Wow. So that's really interesting. Just kind of how these different scents, these different oils can be so instrumental. And I'm curious to know, like with nutrition, you know, it's kind of easy to do an elimination diet, right? Hey, if you have a little gut inflammation or stomach indigestion or brain fog, it's like, okay, let's remove dairy or let's remove processed carbohydrates and, and let's see how you respond to that. Is there any sort of assessment that you run through um, in terms of like finding out, hey, what oils do you respond best to? Or is it more of a matter of like trial and error? Definitely trial and error for me, you know, personally, and and I think most people who, who get started with oils, um, they just sort of give it a try and see how they see how they feel. And it, it, it kind of complicates the issue a little further knowing as well that if you're brand new to essential oils, um, first of all, most people start out too heavy, too fast. And and essential oils are, when you use a good quality essential oil anyway, they're very pure, they're very strong, and they're very detoxifying to the body. So if you start using a lot of oils all of a sudden, it's going to stir up some stuff in your body. It's going to probably start kicking out a lot of the toxins that have been like hiding in your cells for a while too. And it's going to cause a little bit of upset. So it's not uncommon for newbies to maybe like get kind of a, a weird breakout or a rash or have like upset stomachs for a while or headaches or something like that in the beginning. And it's just something I like to forewarn people of. And I say, well, it's kind of a good thing because it's like proof that you're flushing your system out a bit. Um, but if you want to avoid that, then just start really slow. Start with like one drop in your diffuser of an oil and just see how you feel and take it slow and drink lots and lots and lots of water as well to help flush out those toxins and things that are like trying to claw their way out of your body in very uncomfortable ways. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I see that. And, and, and I think it's, it's human nature. Like we see something and we, we might see it starting to offer benefit or we've heard people express, hey, it's going to make you feel 
this much better. And we just go all in like right. zero to a hundred American. It's like more, more, more. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's like, okay, like let's build up just like you didn't build this massive podcast and massive business overnight. You've been putting in the consistent work for the last five, five years. And it's the same approach with your health and wellness. You know, people don't become diabetic or obese or any of these other things overnight. It's, it's all of these habits and actions manifested over the course of 10, 20 years. So be patient with yourself when implementing the oils and other modalities, I think is, is a really good note to throw in there. And Samantha, I'm curious because I, I think right now, especially everything's magnified right now. And you have a lot of families spending more time together than they ever have. You know, a lot of times maybe the dad who would be at the office or traveling for work, now he's grounded, right? You have mom who might have been doing her thing working in the office or, you know, on her own journey. And now everyone's together, okay? Uh, I've heard, I've heard, um, statistics about how divorce rate is going to skyrocket even more during these times. And it's already above 50% in the U S. Yeah. So, so I love, and I know this is kind of a loaded question, but break it down. However you want, I want to know number one, how have you cultivated uh, a close tight knit family during this time and magnified that, right? Maybe what boundaries have you set? And then also, what are some practices that you have with your kids to really, um, to really have them, you know, exploring and connecting and experimenting with all these fun things that you have at their disposal? Yeah, this is a great question and, and a big one. And I, I hate to disappoint any of your your listeners out there, but I'm just going to be real upfront and say, like, I am not the world's best mom whatsoever. And I am floundering and, you know, flailing through this experience just as much as you are probably even more if you are, if you're watching. So, and, and I think that, um, you know, probably my best advice is just to, like I just did, just be open about it, you know, and just be like, yeah, this is really hard right now. And I'm, and I'm open and honest with that with my kids too. Like the other day, my son was like, crying in the grocery store because he just like all of a sudden got hit with this feeling of like, mom, I just really miss my friends right now. And I was like, I know, honey, like I feel for you. Like, I wish I could fix it for you. And I, I just can't. And it's like, he misses his friends probably just as much as like, I miss them being at school. Cause that was my time where I got to work and, and be, you know? And so you know, if anything, I think that this has been a really good opportunity for for my family just to be really honest with each other and really open, you know, like I and I've always been kind of that way with my kids, but I think even more so now, you know, I'll hit moments or I'll hit days with them where I just have to be like, I'm really struggling with this today, you guys. Like mommy's struggling. I've just always really open with my kids to let them know like 
I'm struggling with this. Like you guys are so bored and you need me to play. And like, I have these responsibilities that I have to do. So like, what are we going to do about it? You know, (laughs) and I'll talk to them and we'll come up with solutions together. And And I think that even with very young kids, you know, parents are allowed to do that. They're allowed to to admit to their children that they don't have all the answers and that times can be hard and then like work together to think of solutions. So, I mean, we've fallen into some habits lately that didn't exist before quarantine. Like now that they don't, you know, we don't have to all get up at a certain time and I don't have to rush them off to school. Really enjoyed our morning so much more. You know, they wake up there. I've taught them how to get their own cereal now and they can get out their bowls and their milk and their thing. And they have their first breakfast of cereal while mommy sleeps in a little bit. I love to sleep in. I'm a night owl and I I love to sleep in. sleeping in look like to you it's like eight eight o'clock or eight thirty maybe nine like sometimes nine o'clock what Um, oh my god it's wild right (laughs) no that that's like that's for me that would be extremely like 9 Mm a.m i can't remember the last time i slept till nine okay sorry to interrupt you but you're fine what type of cereal are the kids eating Oh, so, well, I'm a Young Living girl. That's where I get all my essential oils. And not a lot of people know this. Young Living also has an entire line of products called the Einkorn line. And so Einkorn is an ancient grain. It's like the ancient form of wheat. So it's think of wheat before it was, you know, GMO'd and mass hybridized and stuff. Like it's the ancient grain that is extremely difficult than the modern day wheat. Like I can't handle gluten. I can't handle modern day wheat, but I can eat um, einkorn. It's got a much more stable protein structure and like genome structure. You were talking about epigenetics before, like you should look into the einkorn stuff. It's Really, really cool. So anyway, they eat einkorn cereal. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm assuming they make it taste delicious too. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, my kids, my kids aren't like the healthiest eaters in the world. Like they're pretty picky. They like their salt. They like their sugar. And, and they'll, they love the einkorn flakes, even though it okay. doesn't have much sugar in it. So you just get that on the, on the live What's the site? Um, the Young Living website. Yeah. If you're a Young Living member, you know, you can just sign in and, and order it. Um, youngliving.com. It's a referral-based, you know, thing. So I can give you my referral number if you want to order any. That sounds delicious. Cause yeah, I, it's really good. Like, I don't get me wrong. Like, I grew up on... This is why I had to ask. Because I grew up on Honey Nut Cheerios. Yeah. Frosted Flakes. I was always like impersonating Tony the Tiger. Oh yeah. Um, I ate cookie. What was the cookie? Cookie cookie, cr- cookie, cookie cookie crunch crisp cookie crisp. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, I I had that growing up. For sure. It's like our parents. You know, looking back at it, and I'm sure I don't know how much of this you can relate to, but I literally like. And my dad is a neurologist, so he he understands like health in some capacity. And I know my mom had such true intentions, but my daily diet consisted of morning. It would be like frosted flakes, maybe maybe like toasted baguette with margarine and jam, um, a combination of these two. I would come home and and my friends would always love coming to my house because we had the assortment of bagel bites, right, hot right. pockets, like 
microwavable feta Microwave burritos were my jam back in the day. Like microwave burrito with like sour cream. All oh on my top, gosh. You know? oh, and was, then, and oh, then, I had a single mom too. Like she was working all the time. Like I had to cook for myself a lot. So cooking, you know, as a 10 year old is just like burrito, mac and cheese maybe. <laughs> and then of course, of course, my mom was big on like gushers, uh, gushers, fruit roll-ups and like, it's been amazing watching my parents become more conscious and healthy because they didn't really have the knowledge of information that we have access to. So it's amazing that you're instilling this into your kids, but also not doing it in like a forceful way. Mm -hmm. And you're being very open and honest with them. Like, Hey, mom doesn't know this, or this is new for me too. Like, you know, I'm just doing the best I can to navigate. And I honestly feel like that approach is going to cultivate such a healthy relationship as your kids continue to get older and mature. And, and they're always going to remember that authenticity and that vulnerability and that transparency. So thank you so much for sharing that. So I hope I'm not traumatizing them. That's like always a parent's fear. It's like, well, this is either really good for us or you're just going to be traumatized your whole life. Like we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. And, And it's a good, it's a good lesson for all the parents or soon to be parents listening is I've become really aware of this as well is like how powerful the words that you speak to your kids are, how powerful the tone of voice is, how powerful your body language is, you know, all of these things, your kids are so observant and they're so present. And you might think like, Oh, they're not going to see that. I'm, you know, texting them or texting while they're talking to me or doing whatever it might be but they are taking note of these things and it's becoming a part of their belief system. Um, and that manifests in a lot of interesting ways later on in life. And, you know, if you're listening right now and you have a trauma or a limiting belief or something that's holding you back in some capacity, chances are it stems from your childhood. So rather than perpetuating that same reality moving forward, we actually have the ability to, change the narrative and flip the script, which I think is super powerful. Uh, So Samantha, I just finished reading. Not sure if you know this book. It's called The Way of the Superior Man. No, I don't. Really? Uh Oh my goodness. So it's by David. Do I have it right here? No, I don't. Um, It's by David Dida. It's like a very interesting take on masculine, feminine, sexual polarity, these type of things. And I'm curious to know, um, you know, I know you guys lived in the forest together and, and you guys come a long way. So congratulations on the evolution of your relationship, your marriage and your family. What have been some key components to maintaining this healthy relationship as someone who's 29? And that's something that I hope to cultivate in the near future. Um, do you have any tips for me? Oh gosh. Well, it's kind of a funny answer because, um, my husband and I, uh, adore each other. I, I love that man more than anything in this world. We've been together for, uh, gosh, 13 years, 14 years, something like that. Anyway, you were like 19 when you started. Yeah, I was 19. He was 25. Mm, Rocking the cradle a little bit because that's what his mom said. Um, and, uh, (laughs) But it's funny because we, so we, we met and, um, our first date, I said, Oh, it's, you know, 
thanks for asking me out. Like, I thought you were cute too. Well, by the way, I'm moving to New York in two months. So like, hope you're okay with that, you know? And so we, we both were kind of like, sweet. Like, we're just going to have this like little two month fling, nothing serious. Like neither of us wanted to date or, you know, anything like that. And, um, and I think that was the only reason I said yes to the date. I had such a phobia of dating. Like I hated it. And like, didn't want to be anyone's girlfriend. I, I just had like a big phobia of it. And, and so I look back and I'm like, man, I don't even know if I would have said yes to that if I, if I knew that I wasn't moving away soon. So I'm so grateful for that. And, and I think that um, for a lot, of, a lot of people getting into relationships, especially that young, you know, I was 19, like not having really any expectations, I think helps a lot. It helps you just open up and, and just be yourself. You know, like I think when you go into a relationship with expectations of like, Oh, well, this could be the one or this, maybe I'll marry this person or whatever. Like it just makes it harder, I think, to be authentic and be yourself. So, so that, that's sort of a, for young people, I think dating that can be, or even older people too. I think just being unattached to the outcome can help in, um, in that and so many other things. But then the other kind of funny part um, of the answer is that my husband and I are both twins. So we, you know, I'm an identical twin. He's a fraternal twin. And I always kind of joke that that's probably why we get along so well is because twins are just kind of naturally, I think, really good at compromising. Mm-hmm. And um, because we've done it our whole lives, like we've shared womb space with someone and then we pop out into this world and twins generally have to share a lot more than other people. And, um, and so I think naturally both of us are just good at compromising and sharing space. Like we've lived together in, um, you know, we shared a a twin bed for a long time in my tiny apartment. Then we traveled around the country in a truck and a tent, you know, a little one person tent for, for almost a year. We were kind of, when was that? When was that? I'm curious. Um, Let's see. That was 2000 and when was that? 2008, like kind of 2008, 2009. Yeah. We just still in your hippie phase. Total hippie fit. We had a vegetable oil run truck, man. And we, <laughs> we were just backpacking around and couch surfing around the U S and, um, and so we lived in these tiny spaces. And then our next space we lived in after that was a teepee, a really small, you know, tiny little teepee. And, um, uh, and then we lived in the little 10 by 10 hunting cabin too. And I remember his mom was like joking one day. She's like, wow, you guys must really like each other like to be able to share these tiny spaces for so long together. And I was just like, yeah, I guess we do. Like, I don't just love him. I like him a lot and I can, you know, spend that much time with him in these tiny little spaces. Um, It's just been, I don't know. It's been, I don't know if I have good relationship advice really because it's always been so easy with us. And um, I mean, it definitely gets harder with kids, especially that's been our biggest challenge um, is just having our time, you know, split so much and all the responsibilities of adulthood kind of on our shoulders a lot heavier than they used to be as well. That's been, that's been challenging, but at the end of the day, like we still turn to each other and can still say like, wow, I really like you a lot, which I think is almost more of a compliment than I love you when you're married to someone sometimes. That's, that is really, that, that strikes me as one of the reasons why it's probably been an easier transition, like, cause quarantine, it's like you're in closed quarters, 
but you guys have been in way more closed quarters together for extended periods of time. So you're kind of familiar with each other's different quirks, pet peeves and, and triggers and things like that. Um, I'm curious to know, like with business, um, with kids and all of these things happening, how do you, what do you, do you guys have any practices to like maintain an abundant, uh, like sexual life and making sure that the attraction is like all still there and that the passion is still invoked and that sexual polarity between masculine and feminine is still prominent. Um, hopefully that question is okay for you to answer. That's personal. I like it. <laughs> that's a lot. Um, that's a great question. I mean, I think when you get into what I call the more like adulting phase of your life, where you just have so many more responsibilities, like especially when you have kids and you have mortgages and you have taxes and life insurance. And just when, I mean, life just feels crazy all the time sometimes especially like lately with quarantine and then we bought a new home and that we've you know converted completely remodeled this this wing and turned it into an airbnb and now we're remodeling our old house and selling that like it just feels like life is constantly crazy and there's never enough time but we we make time for the sex and like as taboo as this sounds like if you have to schedule it you schedule it because it's that important, you know, and if you can't let your life fill up with all the other things and not make that a priority. So if you need to schedule it, just do it, girl. I'm talking to the ladies out there that might be ashamed if they need to schedule it. I'm going to say, don't be ashamed because it gets it done and you get to get laid still. <laughs> you just have to put it on the calendar sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I, that, that's, that's really honest feedback. And, advi- and practical advice because, you know, I'm not sure exactly what your husband does for work, but like, especially if it's two very driven people, right. And, and they have powerful missions and, and a lot of times we get consumed with that and understanding that, that what you're talking about and maintaining that level of attraction and intimacy, I feel like is so important. And, and it's been a common thread and theme with a lot of the people that I've spoke to, you know, my parents have been together over 40 years and, and a lot of other high performing people who have had these long lasting marriages and, and partnerships, that seems to be a common thread is like they make time for the intimacy. They make time for that, that connection time and, and they make each other a priority And, you know, I think for all the guys, you gave a message for the women, you know, I think all the guys, at least in my experience, like our presence is the most powerful thing that we have to offer as a gift. Mm -hmm. And, and oftentimes, you know, like I tell this to my dad all the time, you know, he wasn't necessarily home that much with his job. But with that being said, you know, when he did come home at six or seven every night, he was super present for that hour, hour and a half we were together while we were eating, while we were playing Scrabble. And I got all of him and sometimes like an hour of that true presence, right, is much more valuable than four five, six hours where that person isn't really there. Right. They might be there physically, but they're not really there mentally or emotionally. And, you know, for all the men out there, you know, just, 
just being mindful of that for our partners and, and for everything we're doing to, to really give our full presence and make love to the present moment. Make love to the present moment. I like it. Yeah. So, so I'm super grateful, Samantha, for, you know, the, the friendship that we're cultivating and I love and respect all the work that you're doing. And this is when the world needs it the most is, you know, light workers like yourself, like myself, really coming to the forefront and, and offering solutions to help people create more health, more calm in their lives. And I'm wondering, you know, as we close up, what are some final words that you have, maybe a call to action, um, or maybe just a final message that's close to your heart that we didn't get the chance to share yet? Mm. Well, kind of, as you said in, in, in my bio, I like to put in there that I'm a, I'm a firm advocate for living life on your own terms. And I really mean that. Like if you're examining your life and you don't like it, you don't like what you see, then you have the power to change it. I know that sounds so corny, but it's so true. And so like really examine your life and, um, know that not only are you capable of changing it, you're responsible for it. And no one else is like, you are the captain of your life. Stop waiting for someone else to come along and make that decision for you to change it and to do the work that's necessary to change it. Um, and I think there's this mentality, Jeremy, where we kind of assume that that most people aren't happy with their lives. You know, like uh, sometimes I think entrepreneurs can get in that trap where they sort of kind of accidentally talk down to people who have desk jobs or nine to fives or work that forty hour a week. And and I've come to really look at so many of my my friends or my family or even my mom. I think about growing up, and she, you know, she had a forty hour a work week, and um, she was constantly working for other people at her at her desk job and. She was so happy and she totally took charge of her life. And, you know, sometimes I get jealous that she was able to like come home and just turn it off at the end of the day and then just be with her kids at night and then take all the weekends off. So anyway, I, I say that only because I don't want people to assume that everyone has to be their own boss and be an entrepreneur to take charge of their life. There's so many ways that you can take charge of your life by dictating, you know, when you wake up and what you do that first hour of the day or how you go into work and how you interact with other people and what kind of energy you bring into the world and, and what you do on your lunch break and what you do afterward. We have so many choices that we get to make in life and don't ever let other people make those choices for you because you are in charge and you get to live life on your terms. Mm, I love that. And that was really well articulated. You know, I, I completely support that sentiment. And I think a lot of people, you know, and it's different too with our parents, you know, they didn't necessarily have the opportunities that we have with the right. internet, with social yeah. media, with just being able to set up a microphone in your room and like start a podcast that has been listened to all over the world by millions of people. Like this is unbelievable. So, you know, I, I really support what you just said, Samantha, and I definitely want to encourage people if there is something that you're curious about, explore that possibility. Maybe it's outside of your nine to five, but, but don't let your curiosities dissolve. If there's something that is, is, is itching you, you know, 
you don't necessarily need to put lavender on it right away. Maybe scratching that itch <laughs> and exploring it uh, is 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 something good to good to explore. So Samantha, as we wrap up, rapid fire, real quick. What's your favorite emoji? Oh, rapid fire. Um, oh, I love the girl that goes like this. I don't know. Like, I, yeah, like, I don't know. I use it all the time. <laughs> that just seems to be always what I'm thinking. I'm just like, mm, I guess. <laughs> Whenever you do that, that's like, that's something that you're delegating to someone on your team. Like, yep, I don't do that. Um, okay, what is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, when people squeeze the toothpaste from the middle instead of the end. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do know what you're talking about. That's a super good pet peeve. Oh my gosh. Wow. Thank you for saying that. That just made my day. No, right. you never do it again, right? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, it's your last supper. Last supper. You get to choose three other people to be at the table with you. Okay. All right. And can't be, can't be your friends, can't be your family. Okay. Um, who are those people? Let's say they have to currently be alive. And okay. what is on that dinner table? Ooh, okay. All right. Three people. Um, I don't know why this came to my mind because I don't even know her name, but the actress that plays Wonder Woman, I don't okay. even know her name. I love her. I just think she's great. <laughs> and I okay. think that she would just like have the most interesting dinner conversations ever. Okay. So her. Um Okay, they have to be alive, and I can't know them. Second would be, oh, I have to really think about this. Um, you got 20 seconds 20. to come up with two more. Oh, man. Um, okay, whoever runs Walt Disney, the company, because I just feel like, I, I just want to like talk to them a little bit and be like, do you realize how much power you have in the world? Like, let's Wait, who would it be? I don't, the, the person who ever runs Walt Disney, like the, the corporation and like makes all those decisions. Like, okay. that would be a really important person. To deal I with. feel like you're doing this emoji to this question right now. I am. I totally. <laughs> you have one final person that's coming to mind. You should have prepared me for this one. Nope. Um, okay. Last person. Um, oh. oh, the girl that uh, the CEO of thinks panties. I don't know her name either, but I love her. Is that Sarah, Sarah Blakely? No, no, that's no, no, no. Um, maybe. Thinks or Spanx? Thanks. Thanks. The so period, the period you're, pants. You're the only person. Samantha is the first person that I've ever asked this question that literally didn't give me one name of the person that she wanted to be at the dinner table. <laughs> so I know I'm, who they are. I just don't know their name. <laughs> so I'm sure this says something interesting about Samantha. I'm going to dive a little deeper into this. Um, but that's pretty cool that you want to go to dinner with these people that like, you don't really know, but it's like your final dinner. And it's like, I, I vibe with it. I vibe with it. And, um, and finally, what's going to be on that dinner table? Oh, artichokes, tons of artichokes. Cause I love them. They're my favorite and, and crab legs, artichokes and crab legs. I could eat every day for the rest of my life. And, um, and then chocolate, just lots of chocolate and dark. red wine. Yeah. Ooh, dark chocolate with red wine is like the, the best. ultimate. I can't, I, I still want to try that chocolate you were telling me about. Oh, yeah, um, I still need to send some to you. I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind just supporting the small businesses too. So just send me a link. Um, Samantha, finally, 
Um, I want to give you the chance to really promote your vision and all of the channels that you're on. And I also want to preface this by saying, guys, I did a show on Samantha's podcast about two or three weeks ago. And I'm going to link to that in the show notes. I think you're going to really, really enjoy it because Samantha's podcast is absolutely incredible. And I think I, I, I dropped some knowledge on there. So Samantha, where can people connect with you? Sure. Well, thanks for that. So my podcast is called The Essential Oil Revolution. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast. And then everything else just lives under samanthaleewright.com. And that's L-E-E-W-R-I-G-H-T. So samanthaleewright.com. So if you're looking for the podcasting book that I'm writing, it'll be there. If you're looking for essential oil information, it's all there. And uh, yeah, anything else I'm tinkering with at the moment, that's where it goes. Perfect. And this show is going to be live and that book is going to be live on Amazon. So guys, check out um, the link in the show notes because the book is going to be in my Amazon store so you can grab it there. And I really encourage you to give this a read. All of the work that Samantha does is super high quality. So I know it's going to be no different with this book. And Samantha, I just want to acknowledge you for, you know, doing such an amazing job balancing, you know, I know you said there's times where you don't feel like you're the best mom, but balancing motherhood, being a wife, being an entrepreneur and, and having multiple businesses and, and doing it with a smile on your face, um, most of the time. And if not, then you'll put on some of those. Exactly. (laughs) And, and, and I'm super grateful for, you know, having you, uh, as a friend, as a colleague, and I can't wait to continue cultivating community together and just continue the great work. It's super inspiring. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Appreciate you. Guys, you already know what time it is. It's time to get off your ass, take control of your life, take ownership of it, and don't forget to exchange energy along the way. Much love, peace. Please, please, please let me know what you thought. Let me know how I did. Let me know what was the biggest divine download that you had because ultimately that allows me to be better. And not only that, when you teach something, when you share something, that means you're learning it twice. That means it's becoming a habit. That means it's becoming part of your DNA. So Much love, fam. And as always, it would mean the world if you took that extra 13 to 24 seconds to leave a review in the iTunes store. It helps spread this message and reach more people. I got so much love for you, and I will see you back here for Monday's show. Peace out.